Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by NetSuite, a robust, all-in-one system to optimize your business. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. Again, we're back with another amazing use case for blockchain technology. Did you know? One small group of Russian hackers is making three to five million dollars a day just faking video views. Organized crime, this is actually their second most profitable form of income, uh, ad fraud that is. Second only to drugs. When I heard Angelo Dodaro talk about this, I was shocked. I had no clue. And when I heard about a blockchain solution, I was like, man, we have to do a 101 on the advertisement space, learn about what ads are, what is advertising, what is ad fraud, and the solution blockchain can offer. So I'm very happy to welcome Angelo to the show. Before we get into this conversation, Crypto101podcast.com. There you can follow us on social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a rating, and a comment. It helps a lot. Also, think about becoming a patron. Patrons, thank you very much for supporting Crypto 101 through the year. And you can always click the Contact Us button on the website and send us an email anytime. And without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Mr. Angelo Dudaro about the ad space and fraud. We'll see you after the show. Angelo Dodaro, welcome to Crypto 101. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Angelo, what I want to do today is I want to talk about advertising. You have a company that is putting advertising and controlling ads on the blockchain. But first, before we get into that, we want to know, one, a little bit about you. And second, we want to know about, first of all, advertising in general. Do we really understand what the advertising market is like about the agents, the platforms, the bots, the money, the payouts, the incentives, each actor in the space? I hope that you can give us a complete 101 on advertising. But before we go into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. I got my start in advertising over 10 years ago. And I guess you could say I was early in on the social media game and uh, had a blog that was very popular in the social media space. It was uh, for my first agency, Top Dog Social Media. And, uh, you know, we worked with a lot of small businesses and then started to work with some larger businesses. But once my partner left her role at Revlon, she was managing PR for Canada uh, for Revlon. And we decided that we were going to start up a new agency and try to go after some larger brands and do some more creative stuff, mixing content with uh, paid advertising. Really like social media advertising was my specialty that people would come to me for the most, I would say, because in the beginning, when I was first starting out, I pretty much only did organic strategies. And, and that was back in the day when you could post on your Facebook page and you would get uh, you know, 60, 70% of the people who liked your page seeing your posts without having to boost them. And uh, anybody who has a Facebook page and has been around for, you know, more than a, a few years, actually even less than that, you know that there's kind of this systematic progression of the decline of organic reach, especially on Facebook. So really paid advertising became super, super important. And uh, that was something that I really started to focus on and I was really good at and was getting our clients really, really great results. 
And um, it's something that I, you know, I still really, I, I like, I get high on it. I love ads. And it's kind of weird because I, I have this left meets right brain mentality where I'm a super creative person, but I'm also very analytical. And so there's kind of this weird fusion of skills and passions that work really, really well for social media advertising. And so fast forward uh, a little bit down the road, I end up coming in contact with somebody by the name of John Gillum, and he's the founder CEO of AdBank. He actually was coming to look at our office for our agency. He was thinking about taking it over. We were moving into a new space, and we started talking about crypto. And uh, about four years ago was my first introduction to crypto when uh, my partner and I, Kelsey, we did the social media, uh, at least launched the social media for the Extreme Tech Challenge, which was by uh, Richard Branson and Bill Tai. And Bill Tai, for anybody who doesn't know, is like a super OG in the crypto space, like the oest of G. And uh, he got us turned on to crypto. You know, if you know the guy, you know what I'm talking about. So he, he kind of got us turned on to it. I tried to buy some Bitcoin four years ago. I got really sketched out by the exchanges and just like the whole process was like extremely daunting. I was bound and bent, but ended up kind of thrown in the towel only to pick it up again, probably almost two years ago. And, and finally buying some and just like biting the bullet because nobody around me was uh, brave enough, I guess, to to try out this crazy Bitcoin thing. And uh, I'm kind of notoriously always the guy that takes the, the risk for everybody else to find out. <laughs> so I did it. And, you know, obviously it, it uh, and for anybody who's who's uh, seen the game for that long knows that you've seen some good times and you've seen some bad times. But uh, when I became introduced to John Gillum, the CEO of AdBank, he told me about this project, about building uh, an advertising platform using blockchain. And long story short, we talked for about an hour. I was standing in a lavender field of all places. And uh, I was just like, immediately, you know, I'm in, I want to do this. And I had probably about like 100 million questions that I would still constantly ask them and be like, well, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? And I, I kind of called myself the chief hole poker because I was always trying to like burst the bubble. And um, inevitably, I was I was pretty satisfied with the plan that they had at that time. So me and my partner, Kelsey, we got involved and became you know one of the founding members of AdBank and raised ICO funds. And, you know, we've been executing ever since. So I'll, I'll kind of shut up now and pass it back to you because I'm sure you have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. I like how you painted the picture of the majestic lavender field. You're standing there talking to Bill, just wrapping out, talking advertising, winds passing through the field, the smell of lavender in the air, surrounded by purple. It's a beautiful picture, man. Very nice. It's even better than it sounds. It, oh, wow. <laughs> where, where are you currently? Uh, so I'm just outside Toronto, and the AdBank office is located about two hours north of Toronto in a place called Collingwood. For anybody that doesn't know where Collingwood is or has never heard of it, it's kind of like, you know, or I guess you could say Canada's Hamptons in a way. You know, it's nice skiing, snowboarding, beautiful lake. You know, it's kind of a four seasons playground, if you will. So that's kind of our one of our main selling points to talent that we're always trying to recruit is, um, you know, you get, kind of get a nice balance of, of life out here. But um, I would say I'm probably one of the people on the team that has the least amount of that balance because I'm always going back and forth to Toronto or traveling somewhere else. And that's kind of where we're at. We're very based in Toronto, but we're also 
heavily engaged and I guess in the uh, the global crypto community as well. Well, Toronto represent Toronto is Crypto 101's top 10 cities of listeners, so represent Toronto. Oh, nice. That doesn't surprise me at all. We've got a very strong crypto community. It doesn't surprise me either. Let's go into a little bit about advertising. So we we know what's going on. We know how you got into it. We know your inspiration. We know about the lavender fields. But let's talk about advertising. What is, let's just first define advertising. What is advertising? So advertising is really the exchange of value between an advertiser and a publisher. A publisher being somebody that has access to an audience like, you know, Crypto 101, you could be a publisher because you have an audience that listens to you for a specific thing. And that audience is valuable to a certain subset of advertisers. And so right now, without going too deep into it, because I know we'll get deeper, there is the advertiser, the publisher, and then there's various middlemen that exist between to facilitate that. All right. So we know what advertising is. So what are the different mechanisms in the middle of, say, the person that wants to run the ads and the target audience, for example, Crypto 101? There's many different middlemen that exist in the ad tech space. You know, the biggest, most popular ones that everybody knows is Facebook and Google. Uh, Some lesser known, but still very big ones would be like Tabula, Outbrain. There's AppNexus, various different exchanges. But I guess if we were to kind of segment it into two different buckets, the major ones would be ad exchanges, which is where ads are bought programmatically, um, which we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. And the other is more of the kind of the traditional ad network, classic media buying scenario, where there could be a broker that's in between that is helping broker the deal between the advertiser and publisher and maybe helping choose the best publisher for the advertiser and their budget. But that's more of like, hey, I'm coming to crypto101.com and you know I want to take your top spot or these two spots on your website for this period of time. And then we work at a deal for that. On the other end, there's the ad exchanges, and that's where it's done automatically. So you would put a Google AdWords banner on your site or a couple of them, and Google would start to monetize that traffic for you. And then that's actually done through a bidding process that's facilitated automatically that is basically matching up advertisers with publishers. And so that is a lot more fragmented where your ad could be showing for a fraction of time versus on the media buying side and on the network side, you know, you're locking out that one site for one month. So it's a lot more fluid in the exchange marketplace. And you could be appearing on thousands and thousands of sites or hundreds of sites versus one or two or three or whatever. That's kind of the big differentiation of how ads are bought in the digital marketplace today. What's the money transfer look like in this situation when it comes to the ad exchanges and then the brokers? The money goes from the person that wants to advertise to a broker to an ad exchange, and then they disperse it. What does that payout system look like? Well, what's interesting is that it's very messy, and it looks very different for many different people and companies and situations. That's the biggest problem with it right now. And why blockchain is so well suited to things like supply chain is because there's so many hands in the mix and it's so difficult to keep track of what is going where and when. And that is fundamentally one of the fatal flaws in the system itself. So, you know, to, to, to go down into that rabbit hole, is, it's quite deep. You know, when we're thinking about the flow of the payments on the ad buying side, it's variable. Just like if you were a contractor and you were doing a service for somebody, you may have net 
15, you may be paid in advance, you may be paid, you know, 30 days post, 90 days, it's, it varies, uh, depends on the terms of the publisher, and sometimes often negotiated as well. So in the ad exchange world, though, the advertiser is paying immediately, but the publisher is actually not getting paid for quite some time. And that could be up to 90 days or more. And they're not actually getting transparency on what they're being paid on and how that data is different than the data than they might see in their web analytics dashboard, because they may be seeing, oh, well, I should be getting paid for this many impressions, but I was only paid for this much. And uh, there's just no transparency in that process. And what we are seeing is that advertisers are getting the short end of the stick, publishers are getting the short end of the stick, and most of the money is just getting sucked up in the middle on this big inefficient mess, and we can't figure out who's doing what. And so that's what is the basis of why advertising is a powerful use case for blockchain. Well, if there's money being sucked up in the middle, then who's doing the sucking? So it's the exchanges. In some cases, it's also the networks as well. How, how, do, they, you know, how seeing... do they do the suck then? I mean, okay, so if the money's already there and it's already, you're already expecting X amount for X amount of listeners or work or clicks or what have you, how does the money get sucked and not distributed properly? So the middlemen will take various different cuts for what they're doing. And that can be up to 70%, and sometimes even more. Sometimes they don't even tell you how much they're actually taking. So if you're Crypto 101, then you may see you have a million impressions a month, but you're only getting paid for 700,000. And you're not getting paid in the exchange side, maybe for 60 days or more, depending on the situation. And that's part of the problem is that there isn't a consistency and there is not a real path to solving this problem in a meaningful way for either the advertisers or the publishers who really are the ones who bring all the value to the equation. So we keep talking about the middleman being the suckers. What about the content providers spoofing numbers or, you know, inflating clicks? Yeah. Is there a way to fraud the system of basically inflating your worth? Totally. Yeah. And it happens all the time. It's a big problem. And it's my belief that most publishers mean well and are trying their best and are not fraudulent. Unfortunately, there is a handful of publishers out there that, you know, there's kind of two camps in this case too, where there's publishers that are making good content. And then there's publishers that are making garbage content, or in some cases, they're just like copying an entire another site and just kind of like duplicating sites and, and monetizing them on the back of other people's work, which really bothers me. And so that definitely is something that needs to be dealt with. And, you know, there's various different ways to address the publisher reputation issue. And so that's something that we're, you know, very focused on as well. But there's also, you know, the bigger side of this is kind of the, the insidious organized crime part of it, where, you know, most people aren't aware of the fact that organized crime, this is actually their second most profitable form of income, uh, ad fraud, that is. And uh, it's only second to drugs. So it's wait, a huge wait, 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 wait. You're going to have to slow the roll there for a minute. Ad <laughs> fraud is second to drugs in illegal revenue, in fraud. Yep. Yeah, it beats prostitution. Okay, well, now, now you just definitely have to go down this road. Explain how that works and what does that even mean? You know, let me give you one example of one group of fraudsters uh, and just how profitable it is to do this. There's one group of Russian hackers, a very small group of Russian hackers that created a bot called Methbot that fakes video views, right? So it just goes and it pretends to watch video uh, videos and 
these are on, let's say, a YouTube channel of a fraudulent publisher that is either, you know, putting out garbage content or uh, stealing content uh, that they don't have the copyright to. And they are making three to five million dollars a day faking video views, three to five million dollars a day. One group of hackers, one small group of Russian hackers is making three to five million dollars a day just faking video views. Right. So let's say if you were a gangster, which you may or may not be, I don't know, but would you rather smuggle cocaine over the border or would you rather fake video views from the comfort of your home? Let's be honest. It's a pretty good gig. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing gig. Actually, I'm taking notes furiously over here. I'm trying to maybe, you know, career shift. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> if people are able to do this, is it just, what is the barrier to entry then? Why are there people smuggling drugs and, and like connecting their basements via a tunnel and, you know, across the border of uh, Mexico and the United States if this is a way to make three to five million dollars a day? Yeah, well, drugs are still very profitable, and people like drugs. That business is probably not going anywhere anytime soon. And there is a ceiling on how much can be frauded in the advertising space. So, you know, I'm sure if they could make it number one, it would probably be their preference. But maybe there's just not that much juice to squeeze. So there, I would assume there's a, there's a barrier to entry. Is there competition among fraudsters? Is there you like know, fierce really like Russian hacker question. competition? <laughs> like you have this, like you said, the small group of Russian hackers, and then you have the North Korean hackers, maybe or the Iranian hackers. They're all sitting there, and they're like, "Oh damn it, we just have to one up the Russian hackers so we can get the three to five million dollars a day." Well, there's a lot for the taking, first of all, and second of all, you know, I have a, a really great time envisioning uh, a group of Russian hackers trying to stamp out some other hackers from their territory you know, full on gangster style. Uh, I don't know if that happens. Um, you know, I, I hope so, because at least they're taking care of each other probably faster than the authorities are taking care of it. But I don't know. I'd, I, I'd love to know the answer. <laughs> when it comes to advertisement, I know in, say, for example, China, I've lived there for a long time, as the listeners know. I know for a fact you can go on Taobao or Alibaba, and I can pay for Twitter subscribers, followers, uh, YouTube sub subscribers, listeners, just by basically a click of a button and then some little bot farm or some kind of farming service out in Chengdu or Sichuan somewhere just takes care of that for me. Is that another way of frauding or is this what, and is this what you're talking about as well? It, it's not specifically what I'm talking about, but it is a huge form of fraud and it's a, it's a massive problem, you know, and that's the thing is that there are people, just like there's people who are trying to pretend that they're influencers because they bought uh, 100,000 followers on Twitter from Alibaba or Fiverr or wherever the heck they bought it, now they're going to trying to make brand deals with people on the back of you know total BS. And just like that happens in the influencer space, that happens with websites. Because websites are, you know, you, you Crypto 101, we'll use you as an example again, you are catering to a very specific niche People who listen to this podcast want to learn more about cryptocurrencies. So anybody who wants to get in front of that audience has a good incentive to you know, align with you, whether that's from an advertising standpoint or um, some other way that they'll expose their brand to your audience. And so you know, as long as that exists, um, we're going to see people who are trying to do fraud because it's profitable. I see a lot of influencers in the crypto space having 
30,000, 40,000, 100,000, 200,000 followers. But and they also get likes. Is there a way to tell the fraudsters that you say, well, you have a lot of, say, followers but no likes? Or is there different ways where they can actually buy likes to look like their followers are following and paying attention and engaging to their tweets? Yeah, you know, there is different tools out there that will give you an idea algorithmically if there are signs. Um, and some of those signs could be related to how they engage or the lifespan of that account and, and various different factors. But, you know, to be honest, you can go and judge pretty quickly to see like how much genuine engagement is actually existing there. And like, just just use your gut almost to a certain extent, because likes can be bought, retweets can be bought. What you can't buy is truly great, thoughtful comments. And people who are really engaged with something, they leave quality comments. And to me, that's one of the biggest signs. And whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, whatever, you know, the other ones are easy to game. That one's not so easy to game. And so I would say, like, if you go, for example, in the crypto space, you know, I remember when Superman and guys like that had like 10,000 fans on YouTube. I was shocked at how many people were actually on those live streams at that time. I've worked with a lot of different companies in a lot of different industries. So I've had the opportunity to kind of see the data from the back end to see what kind of what's normal. And crypto is a super engaged community. It's like the most engaged community for any industry I've ever seen. And I've worked in like cool industries like music, uh, cigars, boats, where people are pretty passionate about those things. Crypto absolutely demolishes them. So really, if the more followers somebody has, whether it's YouTube or, or Twitter, and they don't have a lot of comments, that's like a huge red flag in crypto. If you have like 5,000 followers or subscribers on YouTube, you could easily have in the hundreds of people that are commenting, watching simultaneously on a live stream. Those are like, that's not unusual, right? Like there's no situation where somebody has, or it's very rare that somebody is like 5,000 subscribers on YouTube and all 5,000 are watching every one of their live streams, right? There's a, a certain barometer that is reasonable and that is variable based on the platform and whatever. But honestly, use your intuition. Look at the comments. Do the comments look thoughtful? And if they don't, and there's the smaller amount with the larger amount of followers, you know, that's a huge red flag. And now a word from our sponsor, NetSuite. Has your company outgrown QuickBooks? Are shared spreadsheets, manual processes, and legacy systems costing you time and money? Now is the time for you to move your business to the cloud. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. With NetSuite, you can save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders, and HR instantly from your desk or even your phone. Thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business, and now it's available to you. The power of the world's most powerful cloud management system is more affordable than you think. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free. Don't miss out on unleashing your business's full potential with this free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth. You'll learn how to acquire new customers, increase profits, and finally get real visibility into your cash flow. Download NetSuite's guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, for free today at 
netsuite.com slash crypto. That's netsuite.com slash crypto. Hey everyone, I am super excited to tell you this special news. The Crypto 101 team, myself, and Danny Amsalem wrote a book. It's called Crypto 101, Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency. And in this book, we follow an old friend of ours, Johnny, who has been popping up in episodes for over the past year to get the 101s on technology, terminology, and blockchain. And in this book, he goes through everything a noob might need to know about getting into crypto. From the FOMO, the FUD, the 14 stages of emotions, the terminology, the technology, and it's all wrapped up in an amazing story following Johnny, his family, and his friends. It's not a boring read, and it's for everyone, for your kids, for your parents, for yourself. So please keep an eye open for Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency coming the beginning of November so you can pick it up for your family, your friends for Christmas. It's a great read, but you don't have to take my word for it. Now, back to the show. So what are different ways to fraud? We know about the Russian hackers inflating numbers. We know that you can buy likes and followers and subscribers via Taobao in China. What are other ways to fraud the advertisement space? Yeah, for sure. And so I'll focus on specifically like display banner ad advertising. Um, so like ads on a, on a website page, for example, um, like if you go to coin market cap, they have a banner at the top and on the side and at the bottom, there's many, many, many different ways this happens. I'll just mention a few, an aisle that's full of cell phones, smartphones, literally thousands and thousands of SIM cards. These people have to have just to fake more clicks. And it sounds totally insane. It, it is insane, but that's one way that it happens, you know, and that's one way they do it. And there's, there's various different ways where they, that are more technical than that, that exist as well. You know, the, the good old fashioned, like click farm where, you know, there's literally just people clicking on things that, that one tends to be quite reliable because it has a human factor in it versus if you have something that's programmed, it's easier to program something to recognize patterns that will um, identify that fraud. And so another type of fraud would be ad stacking. And so this is literally where they're uh, stacking a banner in front of a banner digitally. So if you want to think about it in terms of like a real world example, imagine if you bought a crypto 101 billboard for the side of the highway, and then you found out later that they built 10 billboards in front of it. And the only one that's actually getting any exposure is the one at the front, right? You'd be pretty pissed off if you were one of those with the nine behind it, right? So that's what's happening in a digital world. Another example would be things like one by one pixel ads. So you can only see one pixel in a one-by-one-pixel ad, uh, so you're not seeing anything, right? So the advertisers or publishers will be using that. I know, I know. It's like, it's a lot of stuff where you're just like, come on, man, like, and it's a cat and mouse game. So they're evolving. They find different ways to, you know, make things more convincing and, and the fraud evolves. And so that's why, you know, AI is a really important step in fighting fraud because we need to have a system to recognize the patterns of fraud as they evolve and have a way to respond to that in real time. And AI is definitely the best solution for that. And when you plug it in with blockchain, you know, there's some pretty exciting possibilities there. Wait, I want to go back to the one by one pixel ad. How does that even work? Who's selling that? And what does it sell for? And how is that even a thing? 
you can't see it. There's no end user experience. So how does it even work? That's the problem. You know, why is that happening? It happens all the time. You so, know? And, so the person would get so billed for these... this then. I guess the the publisher or the advertiser would get billed. And, and I guess the middleman would say, hey, I ran your ads. They're there. You can see the traffic. Yeah, or... exactly. Yeah. So the advertiser is paying for it. Uh, the publisher is, in that case, likely a fraudulent publisher. And no. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Clingly doing that. And the issue is with these middlemen is they're not really incentivized to do much about this, right? Because at the end of the day, they still make money from that, right? So when they don't give you access to the data to audit it in a trusted sort of way, that's where blockchain comes in. How do you trust that the data that these middlemen are giving you is reliable? And this is something that we've realized is a really, really huge problem to the tune of billions of dollars a year. And so, you know, when you think about a company like Procter & Gamble, who spends almost $7.5 billion a year on advertising, they're pretty pissed off when they find out about this stuff, you know, because when you find out that there's 56% of all web traffic is driven by bots and you spend $7.5 billion a year on advertising, like you've got a friggin' good reason to be pissed. And that's exactly what's happening. But there's nothing that people can do about it because they're based on these centralized databases that nobody has any access to. And they're not going to get access to it. Well, I think that has properly set us up for the blockchain solution. So what can blockchain do about it? You know, fundamentally, blockchain is well suited for anything that has any industry or, or area that has a problem with transparency, trust, and security. Advertising has all of those problems. And so when we think about the issues in advertising, it really starts with the transparency issue. Like we need to be able to see that data. We need to be able to see the real reliable data of what's going on behind the scenes to be able to analyze it and fix it. Now, the issue is that we know we can't rely on these middlemen that exist right now to do it because they don't have a good enough incentive to do it. And so that's kind of another area where the blockchain comes in because the blockchain is very good at aligning incentives with the key stakeholders that contribute to the network. And so that becomes a really key piece. Now, the other reason is kind of the, and, and at least in our case, is the combination of AI and blockchain. 
when the data is reliable, secured on the blockchain, now the AI can function in a way that is actually training it with good data. And so for anybody that's a developer out there, please know I'm a marketer. Um, so if I'm bastardizing this a little bit, I do it all the time and I frequently apologize. You know, this is a simplification. But this this becomes uh, huge in terms of the implications. And, and really, we have to think about the transparency element. That's where it starts. Then we can start to fight the fraud in a more meaningful way. But there's also a speed of payments that exists now with the blockchain that publishers are very excited about because publishers are pissed off that they take so long to get paid. They get clawbacks from things that may or may not be legitimate fraud, but they don't know because they have no access to anything to really determine that. They're just said, hey, here's what you get, you know, run along, kid. And that's kind of the relationship they, they have with those middlemen. And so blockchain is something that can really kind of democratize that process in a way that brings the value back to the people who are actually contributing the most to that ecosystem, which are advertisers and publishers who are currently getting totally screwed. Right. Let's use the specific examples for how blockchain could stop this fraud. For example, the one-by-one ads, the billboards that are stacking one on top of the other. What can blockchain do about that? And how would that look to, say, the transparency? Would they say, hey, we see all these billboards? Or does it just look like data? Would they need somebody to actually go in there and you know, move things around and check it out? Yeah, so, and, and remember, that I'm a little out of my depth here, but I'll do my best. So the way that it works on a very basic level is there is an element of, uh, uh, of a human element contributing to that process that is validating things that the AI is uncertain of. Uh, so as the AI is like a human, when it's born, it's like a baby and it only gets smarter with more experience. So that's really what it needs to start to um, build and be functional in a really powerful way because it needs to, just like a human, you know, you, you start to recognize patterns of things you like and you don't like and you change your behavior to match the goal at hand. And that's really at its basic form what AI is just trying to do. It's using pattern recognition of things that it knows, you know, that work for a specific goal. And with the uh, specific relation to ads, there are different patterns that exist within different types of fraud. And so what part of the problem is, or the, the I should say the solution is, is to identify these problems, both with AI and in tandem with uh, a human, for example, like when that would happen is if an AI is like, I'm not so sure about this one, and then a human would review that, right? So that's the guided versus unguided learning in AI, right? So the guided meaning there's a human there contributing to the process and unguided meaning the AI is is standalone and, and doing its own thing. So, you know, specifically to how it solves a one-by-one ad, that's definitely like out of my depth, but it really just comes down to that pattern recognition and starting to identify the footprints, the traces that all the fraudsters leave behind. You know, just like if you watch any murder shows. I know my grandma and my mom are like obsessed with these things where, uh, it, you know, they're looking for clues, right? Because nobody's clean, right? Nobody's fully clean in any crime. And that's, uh, that's kind of what it's all about is starting to identify those things and the commonalities between all of them and then just getting one step ahead of them. And so there is a bit of a cat and mouse game where they'll start to figure out that that's not working anymore and they'll start to try new things. And uh, as that AI advances and it gets more experience, it will be able to uh, handle those situations and the evolution better than a human will. That's at least the goal. 
So I assume in addition to the transparency and the security, there's definitely probably a monetizing or payment system on top of that, like tokenizing or a token that's going to be shipped back and forth to facilitate the payments, maybe a smart contract. How would that look for advertisers? You just said Procter & Gamble is spending, say, what you said $7 billion a year on advertisement. How would that look to say somebody like Procter & Gamble? And is it scalable for like a small business, maybe Crypto 101, we have advertisements on. How would that look like for somebody like us? I'll try to break that down into to two different parts. I'll answer the Crypto 101 part first, and then I may need to get you to the re- repeat the question for me. But <laughs> um, So in terms of Crypto 101, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up as an example because we know that we can't just come into the ring and say, we're going to take down Google tomorrow. That's just not practical, and business doesn't work like that, right? So what we need is something a little more strategic to ensure our path to adoption. And so one of the things that we used the ICO funds for was to acquire existing ad networks that were profitable um, that we could convert to our technology. And so that would kind of allow us to play in our own sandbox where we create the rules. And that makes things very different because if you're trying to you know, create something that's untested, and then you go to an established network or exchange, you know, they don't really have much incentive to use you at the gate, right? So we focused on specific verticals, meaning specific industries and niches or niches, as, as uh, some of our American friends say. The first one that we did, actually, it seems bizarre, but it makes sense when you kind of break it down. It's an e-cig network. So, so with the, uh, the electronic cigarettes, vaping, that's an interesting industry for... Um, a disruptive emerging technology like what AdBank is doing because they have a lot of rules and restrictions and challenges with advertising. And this particular one that we acquired um, is the leader. And so that was interesting for us because they are used to uh, having to adopt new things and trying new things to, to make their advertising work. So it wasn't a leap for them to get from here to there or there to here, I should say. And the second one we built actually from the ground up is called Intergalactic Ads, and it's all focused on the cryptocurrency blockchain space. And so if you're not in these two verticals right now, there's not much that we can do for you outside of the pilots that we're running with larger brands. And that's a bit of a different setup. But you know, for a Crypto 101, you could absolutely set up as an account as a publisher, and you could start to monetize your advertising with the AdBank token. And so if I remember correctly, the, the question was related to uh, the use of the token in this ecosystem. Was that right? Right. The payments. Like, how would you get paid? Is it a, there's different ways you can get paid. You can get paid in U.S. dollars, you know, bank transfer to your account, your, your business account or what have you. Is the ad bank token or tokenizing on the blockchain the way you're going to get paid? And then is that really the best solution? Or is it going to be like a USD or USDT or some kind of conversion? Or how would that work? So on the advertiser end? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Well, on the content creator end, like would everybody have to use a certain token to get paid? Or would it be, how would, how, would everybody have to be part of the, say, the, the ad bank ecosystem or using the ad bank token to get paid? 
So on the advertiser side, they can pay with any form of currency like fiat and Bitcoin, Ether, if they want to do that. And then we convert it to ad bank tokens for them. We try to make that experience as fluid as possible for them because friction is not good in any business uh, when you're dealing with customers. So on the publisher end, the publishers get paid in ad bank tokens. And obviously they can convert that if they'd like to. And, uh, you know, our long-term vision is to create additional incentives for those publishers to actually continue to to hold those ad bank tokens. And so we're playing with different ways around that. But um, in terms of what the token is uh, used for, why is there a new token is a really good question. And the purpose of having a new token is to help our AI function at scale. And so let me break that down for a second. So if we use Bitcoin or Ether, or better yet, let's start with fiat. We can't trace the path of a dollar, right? If I give a dollar to a pizza guy and he takes it and he pays uh, the florist across the street to buy some flowers for his wife, there's no way to trace that path, the path of that dollar, right? And in an advertising ecosystem that exists today, an advertiser is paying with a credit card, basically, I would say almost 100% of the time. And once it's in that ecosystem, they can track it. But what they can't track is what happens when it leaves that ecosystem. There's no advertising network or exchange that has access to your credit cards or your bank account statements. And so anybody who is very well versed with dealing with fraud, you know, even if you ask your friendly FBI agent that specializes in the fraud department, you got to follow the money. And so the power of having a new token really lies in the reduction of the signal to noise ratio of the advertising versus non-advertising transactions. What I mean by that is if we use Bitcoin, right? Because we could say, okay, well, Bitcoin, we can track all the payments. We have that ability. We can track any payment that exists on Bitcoin or Ethereum. And, you know, as long as we know who owns what wallet, we can do that. Now, obviously, there's some scalability questions in there, which I'll I'll kind of get to uh, because we are built on Ethereum. But when you have your own token in this scenario, what we're doing is we're eliminating all the other transactions on the blockchain that are not advertising related so that that AI can focus on its real job, which is, is this human or is this non-human traffic? Now, if we introduce the Bitcoin or the Ethereum or you know pick whatever blockchain you want into that picture as the way to facilitate payments between advertisers and publishers, that AI now has two jobs to do. The first one is, Is this an advertising transaction or is this not an advertising transaction? The second one is its real job. And so by having this token ecosystem, we're able to allow that AI to function at scale in a massively exponentially larger way. And so that is is critical for this particular ecosystem to function in a way that's truly going to serve advertisers and publishers. So uh, I think there was another part of that question that I forgot now. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> no, man. No, actually, I think you answered it pretty thoroughly. Before we go into general questions, is there anything else you would like to say about the advertising space on the blockchain or ad bank? You know, I, I, I would say generally speaking that there is no scenario where the advertising industry does not make a permanent shift to blockchain. There's just no scenario because the issues in advertising are massive. They are We're talking billions of dollars a year just to solve a a single digit percentage of that problem is hugely profitable and it's a whole industry in and of itself. So blockchain is definitely the future for advertising. There's no question. It's just a matter of how that's going to happen, what it's going to look like and the specifics. Those are things that everybody's still figuring out. 
And, uh, you know, having real businesses using it now is super important and something that we're extremely fixated on. We just did a, a pilot with the government of Austria's tourism department, the Austrian National Tourism Office. And they were the advertiser. The publisher was Bergwelten, which is a, an Alpine magazine site owned by Red Bull. Uh, so Red Bull has a Red Bull media house. Uh, so that's that was under their publications. And so this is really important right now because we need people kind of to tell us what is missing, you know, and we need to, to get it out there in the wild. And so that's super important right now. I don't think enough people really are, are understanding the importance of that, which is something that we've been committed to since the very beginning. Um, because when it comes to AI, any project that's using AI, they need actual businesses that are using it for campaigns for that AI to ever have a snowball's chance in hell of surviving because that AI needs experience, right? It needs data. It's very data hungry. And without it, it will never actually be useful. So it needs a lot too. So that's that's a, a definitely at the crawl stage, I think industry-wide, but the early data and the early, uh, I guess you could say revelations are extremely powerful. And really it's just, it's as simple as starting with the transparency layer, you know, and, and I'll go on a minor, minor, super small tangent for a second. If you think about any problem in the world, any problem in the world, whether it's politics, whether it's, uh, you, you know, fight with your spouse, business, you know, generally speaking, those are all connected to some misplaced transparency or, or an absence of transparency. And transparency is really something that can fix so many major problems in the world. You know, if, if we knew that every vote that went to the next election, wherever it is, was actually 100% verified, that there was no illegal uh, voting, there was no, uh, you know, people going from one state to vote there and then driving to another state to vote again, you know, democracy would be fixed. And, you know, there's so many times in business that we see that the people who are actually bringing value to the equation, you know, in, in our industry, the advertisers and the publishers, they bring all the value and they totally get screwed. And if there's any industry or any place where that exists, blockchain is going to be the solution for that. And so advertising is no different. I'm very excited to see how it plays out because uh, there's a lot of work to be done. But, you know, we're excited to be a part of that. Right on, man. You are Captain Bull, Captain Bullish on blockchain, the industry, crypto, tokenizing, boom. Totally. <laughs> General questions, man. Who do you respect in the crypto space? If you were going to say that, see this person on, say, CNN, Forbes, tweeting something, writing a Medium post or what have you, who would that person be that you just stop every time and read their stuff? So somebody I respect very greatly would be like Bill Tai. You know, the guy who I said is the oest of G's. Somebody who I really, really like their writing, though, is Ash Rolston. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, she posts on Steemit. If you're in Crypto Coin Trader on Facebook, you, you know, you'll see her post. She's a big, big active member there. She's just like, there's nothing that she says that isn't totally bang on. And uh, she actually just wrote a book. I haven't bought it yet. I'm going to buy it. I just keep forgetting and I'm going to do it. But I'd love to plug her because everything that I've ever read is just so on point whether her insights are from, uh, you know, trading or just like fundamentals uh, to tech. She knows tech inside out. She's just, she's a, a really important member of the crypto community that needs to be recognized more. So I would definitely say her, you know, th those are the two that stick out to me the most, I would say. 
Right on. And how do you say her name again? Ash Rolston? Yeah, R-O-U-L-S-T-O-N, I'm pretty sure. All right, I'm actually going to try to find her, see if we can't get her on this show. I've never heard of her. You totally should. She would be awesome. If if she would do it, I would totally listen to that episode because she is so deep in her knowledge of crypto tech. She's great. Everybody should check her out. Right on, man. Right on. If you were going to get the say what's shaking in the crypto space, follow the FUD, the FOMO, you know, just get the try to gauge the overall vibe of what's going on. Who on crypto Twitter would you follow? Like, is this like a FUD buster? <laughs> no, it could be anything. It could be somebody that spreads FUD or FOMOs or, or you know, Shills coins, or it could be McAfee or, I'm sorry, not McAfee, McAfee um, or whoever. It could be anybody. Who's what one person oh, that, you, that you said, man, that person on Twitter is just h- hilarious. You know, Keith Waring is one of the most obscene individuals I've ever met. And uh, he, he cracks me up on Twitter. He also, like, can disgust me at times, um, but I love the guy. He's totally insane. And, I, I, you know, I must have this thing because I love people. The crazier they are, the more likely they are to be my friend. And so maybe that's why he falls into that category. Cool, man. Cool. Crypto 101 is, well, basically Crypto 101. It's the spot for people to come into the space and start learning about crypto, have 101 conversations, start to learn about different uses of the blockchain, different terminologies, different ways to engage in the space. If this was the first stop for a new person coming into the space, this could be the first show they listen to. What would you want them to know? I think that you need to spend time to understand why blockchain is special. And I don't think enough people really do that. And there's a lot of people that are in the space that ride the hype and the FOMO train and never actually take the time to really understand the implications of blockchain. And once you do, it will absolutely change your life. It completely changed my life. The second that I understood blockchain, really understood it, I changed everything. I literally changed everything. I fired most of my clients from my agency because I was like, I need to be a part of this. This is going to change the world. And I saw a need for the skills that I had because people uh, at that time, and frankly still now, uh, many projects, most projects, almost all projects are not very good at telling their story and not very good at communicating what their message is and what they're doing. Um, so, you know, step number one, understand why blockchain is going to change things and, and understand that on a truly fundamental level because you have to go back to the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper and understand why everything is in there. Everything that is a, a function of blockchain was put there to solve some of the biggest problems that have absolutely fucked up our world. And that's something that I think most people, they they need to do that. And when you have that moment, you're not going to be fearful of the future of blockchain. You just won't because you know, you know from a fundamental part of your being that this is going to be here. It's going to be here forever. It's our best shot at fixing our biggest problems on the planet. And to be honest, like it gave me hope for the world when I thought that there was nothing that was going to solve corruption and, and, you know, the, the fat cats out there that are takers and they're, they're not givers. Blockchain is our best shot at that. I'm not saying it's going to change everything and it's going to fix, uh, you know, it's going to fix all of the world's problems, but it's going to fix so many of the most big problems that we've had in, a most, in the most meaningful way that I can possibly imagine that will give us the infrastructure to do what we need to do next and to give the next generations a chance at really prospering in a way that the world has not seen yet. Man, I like what you said there is some, you came into the space with your skill set and worked for a company and 
utilize your knowledge, your experience, your contacts to work in the blockchain space. What would you suggest to somebody, maybe listening to this, driving their truck, maybe listening to this, uh, setting up their bar, waiting for their shift, maybe listening to this, you know, on their way home after waiting tables or their nine to five factory job or what have you. What would you say to somebody that wanted to make a career shift that's maybe just, you know, the average person, but wanted to do something different and how could they do it into the, in the blockchain space? I would say, first of all, if you're thinking about getting in this space, you can do this. You absolutely can do this. If you're one of those people, if you're, if you're driving in your truck and you're doing something that you're not passionate about, we need you. This whole space needs you and there's not enough people for it. And you just need to figure out what you can do that you're passionate about that can help this space move forward. For me, it was telling stories. For me, it was advertising, messaging, those sorts of things. For you, it might be something a little bit different, but know this. There is room for you in this space. This will be the next big wave. This is the next internet phenomenon level thing. And you will regret not getting into this. If you're thinking about it right now, you will absolutely 100% regret not doing it. And so I would say it can start from many different ways, but just start by being useful. You know, I'll give you an example of somebody in our community, in the AdBank community, young guy by the name Romano. He had just been a presence and he started an unofficial ad bank group and like had been very aggressive getting the word out about ad bank. And when we were in Amsterdam, we knew that he was one of the people uh, in our community that lived nearby. So we invited him to an event we were speaking at and, you know, we met him in person. We were like, holy crap, I didn't even realize that you were so young and like, you know, you've got a lot of potential. And we were like, we really wanted to get him included in the community and so he's actually still in school. So we, uh, we, we started to work with him in a, a, you know, less official sort of capacity, but kind of starting that relationship, it evolved to me realizing that I had a good friend of mine, uh, that had a crypto company. That's an amazing company called Oxycoin, uh, just outside of Amsterdam. And I was like, Hey, you know, you could actually do your university internship there. I can hook you up with it. He's there now. And uh, he's, he's working with us and he's working with another project and OxyCoin. And so he went from just this guy on Telegram to now literally being in the industry in a period of a few months. I didn't know what his skills were. I never asked him once, like, what's your education or whatever. He was just found a way to be useful. And I think that's, you know, if blockchain is not your thing, like that's still a golden rule in life. Just find a way to be useful and there will be a place for you. And that's where you will command the most in terms of uh, money and, and the things that you want that are material. The amount that you make it will always be relative to the value that you can generate. And the more value you can generate for the more people, the more you'll make. And, you know, that may be your goal, may be material, it may be impact. For me, it starts with impact. And, you know, obviously, like anybody else, I like to make a dollar too. But for me, it's all about change and being a part of something big. And if that's what you want, if you really, really want that, I can't imagine a better opportunity than now to do it. Right on, man. Right on. Thank you for that. And I hope that anybody who's sitting there listening to this podcast right now heard that and says, you know what, let's start sending out emails, resumes, or just, you know, taking the lead and, and in the initiative and something that they, you know, are passionate about. I really appreciate that answer. Angelo, before we get off, I want to say thank you very much for the hour spending talking to me, educating me on 
the advertisement industry, the fraud, the ins and outs, the work, inner workings of it, and what blockchain can do for this industry. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a great time. So uh, I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to chat with you. Before we go, what three songs would you like on the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist? The first one is going to be Paul McCartney, Maybe I'm Amazed. That song is just incredible. Uh, Paul McCartney is one of my favorites. The second has to be a Radiohead song. And I think it's just it changes with the day, with the wind, which one I would go with. But, you know, I'm going to go with Paranoid Android. Classic. I'll make that easy for myself. The third one, it's got to be something like Total Rock. I think I'm going to go with Foo Fighters, The Sky is the Neighborhood, just because I'm listening to that a lot right now. But it, it's tough for me to make that call. I'm sure I'll regret it, but I love that song. <laughs> right on, brother. Hey, man, thank you for the songs, and thank you for your time. And hey, man, good luck with everything in the future, sir. And to you as well, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Angelo, if you're listening, thank you very much for coming on this show. In the next episode, Aaron Paul is back with ICO 101, a preview of Crypto Curve. I'm excited to learn about a new ICO out there. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, Crypto 101, with Matthew Aaron, where I summarize and round up today's episode and give you my personal opinions. Before we go, like always, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place for your real-time prices. And I'm not just saying that, if you use CoinMarketCap, check out apogee crypto it's a great place for your prices you can make a portfolio you can check out the news you can check out charts and you can check out well crypto 101 podcast linked in their site on the coins that we cover and also cryptonews.com a great place for your news we'll see you in the next episodes of crypto 101Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.